Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 28 of UAB Green and Told. Original air date, Monday, September 14th, 2020. Green and Told gives us a chance to share stories from members of the UAB community. I'm Greg Berry, Assistant Director in the UAB Office of Alumni Affairs. On this episode, we are joined by Jason Aaron, a comic book writer and UAB alumnus. As he'll share, getting into the industry wasn't easy. It took years of writing and honing his craft before finally getting his chance. I think writing in comics was kind of what I wanted to do from the get-go. It just took me until I was almost 30 before I could get my foot in the door. While he works on characters like Thor, Wolverine, and the Incredible Hulk, he'll talk about how he kind of stumbled into living out his dream. I think anybody who kind of breaks into a business like this, you got to get lucky in some sense, but you also got to kind of make your own luck. And now, even though he's an award-winning writer, doing what he does never gets old. It was one day I was kind of flipping through um, some Wolverine issues and I realized like, oh, wait, there's like a gap here. Like, why am I missing all these issues? And then I realized, oh, I, I wrote those. Everybody has a different dream of what they want to do when they grow up, becoming a doctor, bank president, and even an architect. For Jason, that dream was writing comic books, but most would consider that a shot in the dark. Sure, the rejections came, and they came time after time, but Jason never quit. For this alumnus, his journey began where it should, as a kid, when he was growing up in Jasper, Alabama. You know, as a kid, I spent most of my time reading comics, reading Conan, paperbacks, watching Bruce Lee movies, watching football. Um, so kind of all the same stuff I do now. But yeah, I was a, I was a quiet kid, a nerd. Um, played in the woods a lot. A lot of it was running around making up stories in my head, you know. So what kind of comic books were you reading as a child? I I got into comics through DC. I was a I was a DC kid, so. In the early 80s, mid-80s is a really great time to start reading comics. I think I first stumbled upon comics on the spinner rack, you know, back in the days of the old spinner rack, um, when I'd go with my mom to the Eckerd drugstore or the Sun supermarket, I'd flip through the spinner rack and buy whatever. And so it was still, I was probably 14 or 15 before I ever went to an actual comic book store. It was kind of your mom feeding the addiction to comic books early on, wasn't it? Yeah, I think my mom feeding my addiction for pretty much whatever I was interested in. You know, she took me to whatever movie I wanted to see, would rent whatever movie I wanted to watch. You know, pretty much every crappy post-apocalyptic movie made in the 70s and 80s I was I was going to want to watch. Um, she... she bought me whatever books I wanted to read. Like I said, Conan was a big influence. Finding those those paperback editions of those uh, those original Robert E. Howard stories, I devoured all those. They're still sitting on a, a shelf in, in my office, you know, six feet from where I work every day. I've got a spinner rack, you know, in my office too. It's covered with, <laughs> it's covered with, some of the comics that I bought off the actual spinner rag back in the day, like the actual copies. They're pretty dog-eared and, you know, well-read. Um, so, yeah, my mom my mom kind of fed all that and then encouraged me to 
to write and kind of gave me the confidence that I could grow up and do that for a living. You know, when I said I wanted to write comics for a living, that seemed pretty ridiculous. You know, I mean, I grew up in, again, in, in, in Jasper in a small town, like I'd, I had no idea how to even begin trying to get a job in comics, like what path you would have to take. Um, back then you pretty much, you know, needed to live in New York to have those jobs. Now you can live wherever, but still it seemed like so crazy an idea, but my mom was always, you know, very encouraging. And I think legitimately believed that if that's what I wanted to do, that someday I would, um, probably believed it more than I did. When you're walking around and people ask what you want to do, you mentioned, uh, I want to write comics. What was their response to you as a nerdy kid growing up in Jasper? Well, I didn't walk around and say that to anybody. I mean, again, I was quiet. <laughs> I was a quiet, <laughs> shy kid. I would more just stare at my shoes than I would tell anybody, especially thoughts coming out of my own noggin. Those stayed locked up. So the desire to write was always there and I wrote a lot of different stuff wrote short stories you know I wrote kind of all through school anytime there was a school assignment that I could do by writing I was all for it um, but that that desire to write um, was always there I just wasn't wasn't always sure exactly what form it would take but I also you know never drifted away from comics um, once I got into it, I've been buying comics consistently, you know, ever since. You mentioned that you kind of had to go through an evolution to where you are now. Originally, it was journalism. Um, at one point, you wanted to be the next great American novelist and then comic books. What really solidified the genre that you are writing in now? Well, I mean, I, I think with comics, I kind of get to write in all sorts of different genres you know in terms of like the the median the medium the industry i work in again i i think writing in comics was kind of what i wanted to do from the get-go it just took me until i was almost 30 before i could get my foot in the door or figure out you know how the hell do you even attempt to do this there was no you know with comics there's kind of no career clear path of how to break in mm-hmm Somebody said once that it's sort of like uh, breaking into comics is sort of like breaking out of prison. You know, once somebody figures a way out a way to do it, that way sealed up forever and nobody else can do that one. You got to find a different one. Um, so there was no like plan of, you know, well, if you want to write comics, well, here, go to this school, get this degree, then this job will be waiting for you. I just knew I wanted to write and I wanted to do anything that would help me be a better writer i had no idea really in terms of a, a path to a well-paying job after that i had no clue i just was focused on the the writing part of it um but i never again never lost my uh passion for comics um i was reading comics that whole time always kind of you know had that desire there it just it took me a long time to kind of apply that in any sort of you know, practical way, I guess. Coming out of high school, you didn't wind up at UAB right off the bat. You wound up going to the University of Alabama. What changed and brought you to Birmingham to go to school? 
Well, yeah, I, I, um, I started out in Tuscaloosa. I started out as a journalism major. Um, I think it took me about three semesters before I realized, oh, I don't think this is for me. I don't think this is, this is what I'm looking for. You know, and I, I think I'd, I was typical, like a lot of kids that age. I kind of, I, I went into that thinking, like I knew all the answers. I knew who I was. I knew this is, you know, where I see myself going. This is my career path, my life path. Um, and then as you sort of get into it, you realize, oh, I had no idea what I was talking about. You know, like I, I still don't even know exactly who I am, let alone how this is all going to play out. So I, I, I dropped out of Alabama. Um, I, I kind of had a couple of wayward years there in the middle where I wasn't going to school at all. And again, just that sort of struggle. I think a lot of kids that age go through of, of trying to, to break out of that cocoon a little bit and figure out, um, you know, who am I, who, who do I want to be? What's important to me? Um, eventually started going back to school at UAB. I liked that it was an urban school. I liked that you had people of different ages, different walks of life. A lot of people who were, um, you know, working jobs and paying for school and going to school at all different hours. I, I liked all that more than I did the, the kind of Tuscaloosa environment. Um, and I liked, a, especially a lot of my um, writing classes, you know, I, I still went into that not really knowing, like, what's my plan? What's the job I'm going to get um, after I go to school? I didn't really know other than just I want to write. And I had kind of a, a big moment when I went to um, a writer's conference at uh, Birmingham Southern. I kind of went into that, you know, as someone who was writing all the time. I, I wrote a lot, you know, I'd come up with an idea for um, a novel and I would work um, feverishly on it and write a lot of chapters. I'd, I kind of lacked focus, so I, would, I wouldn't always finish those things, but I, would, I was writing a lot of pages. So I went to this writer's conference thinking this is an opportunity for me to go kind of figure out how do I, how do, I do this better, you know? And I was kind of dismayed that I felt like a lot of the focus of it a lot of the other people there were just that this idea of like, well, I've, I've already got the next great novel written. I just need to know how do I get an agent? How do I get this in front of somebody? And I just felt like, you know, I don't, I don't have that. Like, I'm not that good. I don't, I don't think I'm good enough to warrant that person's attention, whether it's an agent or a publisher or whatever. I'm just thinking, how do I get good enough to me that, always seem like the harder thing, like being good enough, not just, well, how do I meet an agent? How do I meet this, you know, an editor, the person who's going to get me, get my foot through the door. It was, how am I good enough that I, that I warrant their attention in the first place that I warrant, you know, be, being printed and being published and somebody spending money to buy something I wrote. I, I just feel like I want to get better at that part of it. And I, 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 you know, I felt like then I still believe that believe today that if you if that's your focus, if that's the thing you're determined um, to succeed at is just being good enough. That's the hardest part. The other stuff, like getting, you know, your your work in front of the right person, meeting the right person. There are all sorts of different ways to do that. But it's being good enough. 
being focused on being good enough that I think is the real challenge. And I think if, for me at the time, I didn't know much about anything. Certainly, again, didn't have a, a great plan for for how things were going to work out for me. But I think the only, you know, one of the things I got right was that of just focused on, I want to be better at this. As a shy kid, how did you transition and become a little more assertive when you wanted to get things and you wanted to attain certain levels and goals? Well, I think I'm still working on that. But, I, you know, I think um, I, I was a, a kid who, and I still am in a lot of ways, kid who sort of lacked confidence in a lot of parts of my personal life. Lack confidence in terms of the words that come out of my face, you know, like I'm I'm never going to be a professional speaker. I think I've gotten better at that part of it, but I'm, I'm, I am I am not good at a lot of forms of communication, but for whatever reason, I could, even as a kid, you know, I could put whatever into words on paper. You know, again, for me, like as somebody who is so shy and quiet and lacked confidence, you have to have some confidence to be a writer, right? Because you're still, it's still like dancing on stage in some sense. You're, you're putting stuff on paper and you're sticking it in somebody's face and saying, hey, read this thing I made. So you have to feel like, oh, well, this is worth sticking in somebody's face, right? Um, but all that just comes from, again, flexing that muscle over and over and over again. So even though I, I had all those years um, in college where I was writing pages and pages of stuff, stuff I hope, for the most part, I hope no one ever sees and no one ever reads. Um, but those are vitally important pages that I was working on, even if they sort of disappear to the sands of time, because you you have to work through all that stuff before you get to the point where you're doing, you're doing the work that's going to, um, again, warrant sticking in somebody's face. Um, let alone warrant getting you an actual paying job. All those piles of pages I was working on um, were incredibly important, even though, you know, no one will ever see them except for me. Were you honing your comic book craft, the writing for comic books while you were at UAB and creating some different books that maybe you could present to people later on? My 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 best friend from grade school was like the one other guy in school who was a comic nerd, and he could also draw really good. So he and I flirted, always kind of flirted with doing our own book together. Again, I didn't know how to write a comic book script. You know, at the time I couldn't pull one up on the internet. Like I had no idea what it looked sure. like, how it worked. Um, I think a couple of years ago I pulled out one of those scripts I wrote back then and looked at it, and it was clear like, oh, I had no absolutely no idea what I was doing. I, so even though I, I, I know I was not perfecting my craft in terms of specifically writing a comic book script, but I think what I was doing, no matter what I was writing, if I was writing a short story or um, different novels I was tackling, was just learning how to tell a story. I think that's the important part. If you know how to do that, you can, you know, it's different to tell a story if you're writing a a movie screenplay or a TV script or a comic book or a, a novel, whatever. They're all differences between those. But if you just know how to tell a story, that's pretty universal. So I think that was the important thing I was, I was really focused on and trying to do before I had, had any idea 
I mean, even, you know, I won a Marvel Comics talent search contest and wrote my first script. Even when I did that, you know, when I won that contest, I had no idea how to write a comic book script, how to properly write one. And that was shortly after you graduated UAB in 2000. You won that competition in 2001. What was that comic that you wrote that got the attention? Well, it was a it was a contest where you you typed up a one page synopsis for a Wolverine story and you dropped it in a box at the Wizard World Chicago um, comic convention. So I typed up an idea that was sort of um, inspired by Flannery O'Connor's "A Good Man Is Hard to Find," uh, which is a great short story. So it's it's Wolverine who encounters this woman in the woods and. They have a conversation about faith um, before some trouble shows up. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a weird little Wolverine story, I think, which is kind of what helped me stand out. And that, but the the editor told me, you know, most of them were Wolverine at a bar fighting ninjas. So mine seemed like something different. And then that was that was my first published work. It was a six-page Wolverine story that was published, and you know. A regular issue of as a backup and a regular issue of Wolverine. At that point, you had been flying high. I mean, here you are now, technically a published comic book writer, but it didn't kind of go that way. Um, it took a little while for you to find your footing within the comic book world. What were the next five, six years like before you finally latched on and were able to do this full time? Yeah, those those next five years, probably the you know the most I've the hardest I've worked, the most I've put into um, a script, you know, of any time I've been working in comics, even though I had nothing coming out. So yeah, I, you know, I won that talent search contest, which was a weird thing Marvel had never done before and they haven't really done it since. Um, I think anybody who kind of breaks into a business like this, you got to get lucky in some sense, but you also got to kind of make your own luck. So I think... Um, you know, it was this weird opportunity that fell in my lap and I took advantage of it. So yeah, I was over the moon when I got the call from, from editor Mike Marks at Marvel. I remember he'd left a voicemail on my phone, uh, when I was at work and my first thought was, you know, he just said, Hey, this is, you know, Mike from Marvel. I want to, you know, give me a call back. My first thought was, well, it's really rude that he's calling to tell just to tell me that I didn't win. Um, like how cruel, <laughs> Um, but I did win. So I, you know, I was super excited. I thought, great, you know, now this is, the doors are going to be flung wide. Like next thing I know, I'll be writing amazing Spider-Man. Um, and didn't exactly work that way. You know, I started pitching to kind of everybody I could get an email address for, which is kind of a typical sort of thing when you're trying to break into comics, you're just looking you know, you're throwing a pitch at whatever door seems to be open. So, oh, you, you're looking for a pitch for Captain America? Great, here's a Captain America pitch. Oh, here's a Punisher pitch. Whatever, you're just kind of flinging stuff everywhere to trying to get somebody's attention, um, which amounted to a, a lot of nothing for me, a lot of writing pitches, but no actual work. So at some point I, I realized, like, why am I just chasing after whatever seems to be available why don't i just focus on what i actually want to do and telling stories that i want to tell and stories that i want to read um so i started working on a vietnam war comic um inspired by my cousin gus hasford who was a um, alabama writer a vietnam vet he wrote the book that 
uh, Full Metal Jacket was based on. He was sort of the one, you know, for years, the only person I'd ever known, ever met, who was a professional writer who made his living as a writer. I don't think I've ever worked as hard on a single script as I did on that one, which was also the first full script I'd ever written, you know, because I'd only written six pages before that point. So I worked my butt off on that script and then, you know, pitched it here, pitched it there, um, got turned down multiple times, pitched it to Will Dennis at Vertigo because Vertigo had published some war comics by Garth Ennis, which were really great. Sort of, you know, nobody really does war comics anymore. That was a big comic genre of the past, but, you know, they sort of died out like the Westerns, you know, nobody really publishes them anymore. So I, I, reached out to Will about it. He turned me down too, kind of before, you know, I'd ever sent him anything. He said, you know, people don't buy war comics, especially from somebody I've never heard of. So, but I had written the script. I was like, you know, would like here, I, I wrote it. Like, would you take a look at it and let me know what you think? He said, sure. It's, uh, you know, again, turn me down again. So I still won't be able to use it, but I'll take a look at it. And he read it and really liked it and um wanted to do it so again that was that came out in i think 2006 so we're talking you know five years after i won that talent search contest five years after i last had something in print um and about five years of me working and hustling and again eventually realizing instead of just chasing after whatever is available focus on something i wanted to do and that that was um, eventually what became the other side. And since then, you've worked on some popular comic books, um, Star Wars, The Incredible Hulk, Captain America, Black Panther. What's it like working on different characters that don't always meet in the, the comic book world because they are a little bit different, but you get to pick out and mold their and shape their stories? What's that like? Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun way to make a living. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. I think it's a, it's a challenge, but you know, it's good and bad to it. And that I'm, I'm writing characters that have been in publication for 50, 60 years. Right. So you're talking a lot of different stories over the years. It's still, a, it's also a challenge in that how do you do something new? You know, what, what stories have not been told with those characters at this point? So, I mean, that's the fun challenge I get to wrestle with every day of, you know, there have been a whole lot of Thor stories over the years. How do I bring something of myself to this character while still honoring all those stories that have come before, but taking that character somewhere they haven't been before? How do you approach a series like Thor with fresh eyes so you're not retelling stories from years ago? Is there some specifically you, maybe you do when you sit down and really start putting pen to paper? Well, you know, for me, it's sort of figuring those things out in the moment. You know, I, I again, kind of in the early days of my career, I figured out um, it didn't make sense to kind of chase after characters. I don't really have a briefcase full of pitches for my favorite characters, you know, that I read growing up. Like I certainly I have those characters, you know, I love the FF, uh, the Fantastic Four um, as a kid, but I've never written the Fantastic Four. Like I kind of don't chase after things based on 
that based on what I loved reading growing up. I, I kind of figured out it was more important just what seemed right in that moment. What was the situation? You know, what's my relationship with the editor? Who's going to draw it? Kind of all those parts kind of play into it more than just, oh, I just got this great, you know, Batman pitch and I really just want to write Batman. Um, so I've kind of just figured those things out as I've went, you know, it was kind of more about, well, I have a great relationship with this editor. What other characters does this editor edit? Will they do these? Okay, do I have an idea I could do for one of those characters? Sure. So for the first, you know, six, seven years of my career, that was Wolverine. I was doing tons of Wolverine and X-Men stuff. And then that kind of shifted over to doing stuff in the Avengers world, like working on Thor. So I, Thor was a character I never was never really that interested in. You know, I read the Walt Simonson stuff as a kid and really loved that, but I didn't have a, a box full of Thor ideas. And there was just that sort of moment in time where um, creators were shuffling around, a lot of different books were up for grabs, and I realized um, I was kind of penciled in to take over Captain America at the time. But sort of in the moment, I realized, you know what, I'd really rather do Thor. And I'd kind of never really had that thought or that feeling before, but it seemed right for that moment in time. What are you working on now? What uh, character are you really enthralled with? Um, well, you know, right now I've, I've been doing the Avengers for the last couple of years. So um, I kind of get to write a lot of characters as a part of that still writing Thor and the Avengers and Captain America and Black Panther and uh, Captain Marvel. So I I get to play with a lot of different toys. Um, I just got to do Conan for the first time, which was a a huge thrill. Um, I did 12 issues of Conan after Marvel got the writes to Conan back for the first time in years and launched a new book out of that, Conan the Barbarian. So I got to do um, the life and death of of Conan and tell basically a whole lot of different Conan stories over the course of those 12 issues. So that was, again, literally a job I've, I think I've been training for since I was 12 years old. You know, last year wrapped up my Thor run after seven years and 100 uh, plus issues so this year kind of even before the you know the pandemic sort of um, put a pause on a, a lot of comic stuff I was really just been focused on Avengers and and looking at that as sort of the the linchpin of everything I want to do in the Marvel Universe going forward. Do you still get as excited now when you see your name on the byline as you did when you won that competition back in 2001? Yeah absolutely um it's still surreal you know to be able to go to my local comic book shop and hey there's a book with my name on it um i don't think that will ever get old but all the you know all the comics i've been buying since i was a kid they're all in my basement so there were it was one day i was kind of flipping through um some wolverine issues and i realized like oh wait there's like a gap here like why am i missing all these issues and then I realized, oh, I, I wrote those. <laughs> They're in a different box. Like I got all the stuff I wrote in a box together. But literally that weird moment where 
my for me as a collector and me as a creator kind of came crashing together where i wasn't even putting two and two together of i was just a nerd flipping through his comics wondering wait where's issue 63 through 70 so no i don't to me that never gets sold um being able to go buy copies of my work at the comic store being able you know what now seems like the the long long ago world of pre-pandemic being able to go to a convention and sit at a table and have people come up with a big stack of comics I wrote for me to sign them um, that that never gets old if the if I ever get to the day when that does get old then I should quit and go find another um, line of work uh, I don't think that will ever happen I don't I don't envision me ever losing that sort of um, you know childlike love of, of comics what is one thing that Jason Aaron takes from UAB 20 years ago that you can still apply today? Um, that's a good question. You know, I think for me, a couple things I think were really important to my development as a writer. One was just like I said, all the, the fiction writing classes I took and getting feedback from people you didn't know, people you're not your friends. So getting honest feedback, the, that was kind of the first time where I, you know, got feedback from a couple of people who did not like what I had written, which that's also a, an important moment, I think, for any writer is when you meet someone tells you, I don't like this, you know, that's going to happen to you. That's happened to every writer in human history. At some point, someone doesn't like what you wrote. Well, how do you take that? Do you stop writing? Do you feel like you know, well, they're just wrong in every way. Do you absorb that criticism? I think how you deal with that and move on um, is an important moment. The other big thing I, I think um, for my time at UAB was all the literature classes I took. You know, I got an English degree. So a lot of it were, you know, different lit classes. And what was most important was how it got me to read outside my comfort zone you know, or just sort of read outside my sphere of influence. I had been a really voracious reader up until that point, but it was always kind of pursuing whatever I was interested in and just dismissing what I wasn't. So, you know, that's another thing I recommend just anybody, a young writer, someone who wants to uh, write for a living someday is, you know, what you're reading, what you're intaking is so important to that. And, if you want to write, even if you just want to write, you know, comics for a living, don't just read comics, you know, you, you, you read everything you can get your hands on and, and try to break outside the, the box of what you've have typically been interested in. That's Jason Aaron. He earned his Bachelor of Arts degree from the UAB College of Arts and Sciences in 2000. Over the years, the award-winning writer has worked on stories from some of the biggest names in comics, including Spider-Man, Star Wars, and The Incredible Hulk. And he definitely knows what it means to be a blazer. For me, I think um, my time at UAB was a pivotal time in my life where I kind of started as a kid who, you know, I thought I knew um, who I was. I thought I knew what my career path was going to be, how my life was going to be. And then that sort of goes up in flames as I realize I don't know any of that stuff. 
Most importantly, I don't even know who I am. I don't know who I want to be. Um, UAB for me was a big part of figuring that out. I think I I started out going to school there as a guy who was struggling to know who he was and know if he liked himself very much or not, uh, let alone you know what he was going to do or be going forward. And I think I came out of that with a lot more answers than I started with. And that very much began me on the path that uh, led me to where I'm at right now, where I get to wake up every day and, again, make a living doing the, th- the thing I wanted to do when I was 10 years old. Um, so I think I'm, I'm grateful to kind of every part of the journey along the way that's gotten me to here. Um, and, and UAV was very much a big part of that. So I think for me, um, I don't know how to encapsulate that more than I just explained, but I think that's what it means to me to be a blazer of just being able to, to, to find your way and find the, the, the path you were meant to walk and figure out how to start walking down it. We'd love for you to leave us a written review wherever you listen to our podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and our website at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold. Know someone who has a story to tell? Email me at greenandtold at uab.edu. And find out everything our office has going on by checking us out on social media. Find us at UAB Alumni on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and until next time, Go Blazers! <laughs>